Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. Just joined by Doug Bowman today. Doug, how you feeling, man? We are good. Uh, I assume everyone out there is feeling pretty good after Saturday night. Um, I know Andrew was in Blacksburg for an extended period amount, a period of time. So, Andrew, how are you feeling? Uh, I felt better. I felt better. <laughs> uh, we are mostly on the mend here. Uh which is all good. Which is all good. You know who's not on the mend is Scott Frost at Nebraska. I know. We should have done an emergency podcast for that one. But, uh, yes, yeah, Scott Frost done in Lincoln. The writing on the wall after the team that many were predicting to go to the college football playoff. <laughs> many in Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they lost to Georgia Southern, moved to one and two on the year. That's the writing on the wall that we need to see. Uh, but, you know, at least it's not like apparently they didn't care about the buyout. Right. So yeah, they it actually would, it would have dropped it. by like <laughs> seven million if they just waited another like 18 days. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> got to get started on that search. <laughs> yeah, apparently got to go for that search. So uh, God, he is gone. Oklahoma this week. Yeah. Oklahoma. They got a, another former quarterback is there in a room. So we'll see how that goes. But no one cares about that. We're here to talk about Virginia Tech. I was wrong. Virginia Tech, in the first game at home under Brent Pratt, victorious against the Eagles of Boston College. The game pretty much, it went the way that we thought it would if they were to win which was a very strong defensive performance, taking advantage of a bad Boston College offensive line, Oof. and the offense doing just enough to make it work. Doug, I think we'll start on offense, and then we'll move to defense. Grant Wells, is it who he is to be a turnover machine? Maybe, but he didn't turn the ball over against Boston College. Uh, seemingly a good well-managed game plan, and uh, ultimately, he was who the Hokies need him to be, which is a game manager at this point in his career that's just good enough. What did he do differently? T- took care of the ball. I think on a, I think he, I think on a number of plays he had, whether he's rolling out of the pocket or just didn't have anything. He he certainly didn't force anything. Um, he, there was no, you know. No obvious poor decisions there. I'm sure they found some stuff on on film to clean up. Uh, I think there was a couple passes, you know, he he, he would definitely want back. Um, you know, there was one to Gallo over the middle on a third down that he threw behind him. The uh, the one in the end zone to Gosnell on the pick play. You know, he's a game manager right now. I don't think that's what Rasheen Tech wants him to be. Uh, is probably what he needed to be in that game to win that game. Um, you know, it was, that was a game where Boston College's offense had uh, no chance, and the only way they were going to win that game was was if Virginia Tech gave them the ball um, via the turnover. So, smart game plan in that sense. But I think I think it's the big question going forward is, is how much improvement there can be out of this Virginia Tech offense. Uh, can it can can it get is this an offense that's going to top out in the 20s every week? Um, 
you know, you look at like that North Carolina offense that's coming up, Pittsburgh's offense, that October stretch basically um, is looking, you figure at least one, two, maybe three or four of those games, they're going to have to score in the thirties at some point. So that's, that's what, that's what you're gonna have to watch going forward. But, you know, this was a game that was obviously in hand if Virginia Tech's offense did not hand Boston College the ball. And so so Wells did exactly what he needed to do there. And then and then I would say even, you know, they, they go up seventeen nothing if Boston College closes to within seven and the offense immediately responds with a with a touchdown drive of its own, which I think was, you know, I think that was the drive that Wells hit Caleb Smith down the sideline on a beautiful deep ball that's the kind of deep ball that you want to see more of going forward and then and then found smith again in the end zone to kind of distance themselves from boston college did and that and that was that was enough given given how well the defense was playing so uh, on the wide receiver side counter blumrick actually really getting involved you know Matei was pumped the whole game i heard yes he was i mean i was pumped too i was pumped too blumrick you know, the team leader in receptions, five for 46, about 10 yards per reception, not really just in a, in a purely a check down role. Uh, Gosnell and Caleb Smith getting involved as well. A little surprising, not as much of uh, Lofton as we otherwise would have seen, but a couple of guys really productive in spots that mattered for Virginia Tech. Stock up on this group? I don't know if I would say stock up. Uh, stock up on Connor Blumrick. I think he's... I mean, he's got to be one of the leaders in the in the clubhouse as far as like if you're looking to build this offense around skill position players. Kashawn King, if he stays healthy, he's obviously in there. I don't know that there's that a wide receiver has particularly, you know, distinguished himself at this point. You know, we're two games in, but Blumrick five five catches on six targets and looked pretty smooth and certainly not a quarterback looking wide receiver out there he looks pretty natural had a big catch there um to set up the caleb smith touchdown on pretty tight coverage so he you know we we talked about this a little bit last week where virginia tech is kind of looking for for scoop for wider for pass catchers in particular to emerge but by the end of september over the next two weeks basically bumrick's got to be one of them they've got to get caleb smith back healthy gosnell seems I think he's a pretty decent, like secondary type wide receiver target, and then I think they really need to get uh, Lofton going more. But Blumrick seems like he's he certainly Wells like throwing him the ball this week. I I, I think that's primed to continue. Um, I just don't know if it's I just don't know if it's going to be explosive enough to, to to win games as the competition increases and. You know the defense isn't going to have its A game every single week, so so the offense is going to have to they're going to have to bring it in the passing game at some point, and I don't know. You know, we're, I think the jury is still heavily out on that. For sure, and so there's kind of two schools of thought for people looking at this defense, right? And number one is this is an elite defense. They've played a couple of games. They're ranking in you know, top five, top ten in plenty of major categories. Uh, on the other hand, you could say that they played Boston College, and obviously the, the, there are larger challenges ahead for the Hokies. But where do you think this defense is based on your view? It seems that the guys that we've been waiting to take that big step up in the past, Hollyfield, 
Pollard, Taiwan Garbutt, all look to be doing just that around a group that is you know, otherwise strong in the secondary. Where do you think this group compares? I think they're better than they were last year. You know, this is a remember last year they gave up you know, 550 yards to Syracuse, 490 to Virginia, got smoked at Miami. Like this is a defense that returns a lot of the same guys that we've talked about, and they're def- they're definitely playing better. Um, and you can kind of see it. I've been impressed with kind of the eye test, I guess, with them, how quickly they're moving to the ball, how many people around the ball plays on the perimeter where it's a it's one on one and the you know Keontae Jenkins had one and he chops the leg out from under that's all like confidence and trust in what you're seeing and in the scheme and understanding letting your instincts basically take over so definitely encouraging over the you know two weeks they're playing a ton of guys have eight guys playing between 20 and 40 rep or 40 snaps on the offensive line. They've got, I mean, on the defensive line, Keller and McDonald splitting time at, at one linebacker spot. Jalen Stroman's playing a lot um, at, at another, uh, at a safety spot as kind of like the third safety. Hawkins is in there a little bit, and then they got three cornerbacks rotating in. So a lot of depth right now, and they certainly look like they know what they're doing and that they're confident um, with the huge caveat that, the offensive offenses they've played are are poor. Boston um, College's offensive line is. I don't know if Djokovic's going to make it through the year with with how that's going. You know, they uh, Conley was supposed to play right guard. He had to play right tackle, I think, in this game, and he was the fourth worst offensive lineman in the in the ACC last year. He's not much better this year in Virginia Tech. Um, I think. BC's left tackle was out as well, and Tech give Tech's credit defensive line credit they took care of they took care of business and did exactly what they were supposed to do against a it's a really weak unit um, that'll change in the coming weeks. You know when they when they go up against a much better offensive line and much better um, offenses in general, but you definitely have to be encouraged about it. Um, I think Garbit's overall grade from pff i think he's always the number one d lineman grade in the country i think i saw and yeah, that was the best overall grade from a virginia tech defender and like you know i went back to sean crawford had a big game against pitt in 2019 but um that was one of the best pff grades for defensive player of all time since pff started um grading players so i think you got to be encouraged and and eager to see how they how they perform in the coming weeks as the competition improves. I don't think West Virginia well West Virginia's offense might be it will be the best offense they face, but particularly when they get into Miami or North Carolina Pitt, Miami, Drake May, Slovis, Tyler Van Dyke. Um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I'm trying to check in on how West Virginia did. West Virginia lost to Kansas. You did not see that? I did not. They I'm gonna lost have to I'm... Kansas at home and by double digits because they because they threw a pick six on the final play, game, play of the game. It was an is, overtime game. Is Kansas back? Is, wow. Kansas might be, I think 
you know, I did see going back to Nebraska because, of course, but the Kansas coach is getting talked about as a Nebraska guy because he's a big program builder. Program. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, we'll Neil see Brown how might not thing. make it back from Blacksburg if they lose to Tech in two weeks. Yeah, for real. Do they have anyone in between? They play Towson on Saturday at one o'clock. Everyone, everyone's got the wherewithal to schedule the easy one before the uh, the Thursday nighter. Yeah, they made that one fair. Yeah, wise move, wise move. So, Doug, you know, taking a look at Keyshawn King and the performance that we saw. First of all, how concerned are you about the fact that he didn't come out and play in the second half? But based from what we saw in the first half, I mean, he had like what? Four carries for 60 yards or something like that. Just that, to, that touchdown run was electric. I mean, that was through the line of scrimmage, sets up the block, and he's gone. Yeah. Uh, and then he had that first drive of the game where he broke three or four tackles and at least put Tech in position to to go for it on that fourth down. Um, he's it, certainly impressive. Uh, I think he's the best, most successful. I don't think Virginia Tech's coaching staff was lying all preseason when they said he was the most explosive player on the offense. Uh, I, you know, I don't think they officially said why he got hurt. And he, and he tweeted after the game that he's fine or going to be back next week. I, I don't know if I would play him against Walford. <laughs> um, it, yeah, that seems it, to not be worth it. <laughs> no, no, I think I would rest him up. Um, <laughs> rest him up for Walford. I mean, for West Virginia, but, you know, I think he he needs to get a lot. We talked about adding Blumrick to the top of the list of, like, skill position players. King is at the top of the list. You're looking for two wide receivers and a tight end, basically, to add under him. So um, he looks bigger, too. You know, he's not the 2019 Kashawn King that we saw as a, a freshman, 18-year-old coming out of high school. Um, you know, he looks, if he can stay healthy, I think he could have a big year. So taking a look at the wide receiving core again, Jaden Blue just entirely a non-factor, did not have a catch. Are we starting to come to terms with the fact that he might just not be a part of this offense, you know, assuming that the guys ahead of him can stay healthy, or are we – leaving it open to the possibility that he's someone that, you know, as he recovers from his camp injury could work his way into the lineup and be a real contributor. I I think he's got to be a guy that at least still has a chance to work into the lineup because uh, there's not much else at wide receiver. Well, we're talking about Blumrick like this now <laughs> after one game, he's the number one wide receiver, but like they need more. Caleb Smith's hurt. They need him to come back. They need Loft and need to get going. Um, and and, and Jaden Blue as well. I, I think he's got to still be working his way back from injury um, in terms of whatever he, whatever he dealt with in camp. But like those guys, like there's not a there's not enough proven production right there right now there to like write anybody off, uh, especially a guy with Blue's track record. When he gets healthy and he starts feeling better and you know, more like himself, I think he could still make a move at some point, uh, especially if no one else kind of seizes his top spots before then. What about the offensive line? What do you think of their play? They didn't allow a sack against Old Dominion. They allow a couple against Boston College. 
you know, as to be expected is, you know, the gap is lessened. But are we comfortable with that starting unit right now? As Because West Virginia, you know, on the defensive line is much bigger and yeah. going to be more aggressive. What do we think? Uh, jury's still out there, I'd say. I, it's definitely been interesting that Joe Rudolph hasn't <laughs> hasn't rotated at all there. Um, played the same five guys every snap in both games so far. Definitely the running game was a was a struggle um, for this group. You know they they've been better in pass protection, um, a couple sacks, but you know like I look Jesse Hansen is the number four ACC offensive lineman as a pass blocker right now according to PFF. So you know I think they're fu- they're they are exactly what we talked expected them to be all like talked about it all off season. This is an offensive line where tech feels decent about the top five. You know, they're no, nobody's, a, you know, an anchor offensive line, not even Jansy at left tackle. Johnny Jordan is a sixth year starter at, at center, but he's not a, you know, he's not a Remington trophy guy. He's a solid, decent power five starter. So I think this is a group that, uh, is decent is they're going to have some good moments and some not great moments. Um, but I think the run game is definitely a concern. You know, Boston college is an experienced front. They got gashed by Rutgers but played much better this week. Guys like Marcus Valdez, um, Cam Horsley, they have, they have some experience there and that they, that tech struggled so much there is a concern, but, um, I think we'll have to see how this progresses over the next couple of weeks. You know, we're not going to get a great read on them this week, but certainly against um, West Virginia will be a more revealing look at it. I think I, I, I it's just so in, weird how like Joe Rudolph hasn't played anybody else. Um, you know, we heard about how good Braylon Moore was and how he was supposed to play. I, I wonder if he's hurt, if that's, if that's why he's not playing. Um, Certainly, certainly some backups are going to play this week, and we'll see how that kind of affects the rotation. But um, certainly something to watch going forward is progress of this. I don't, I just don't know that they're a, you know, a top of the ACC offensive line. They're probably a middle of the pack ACC offensive line, and that's, you know, that's basically what we saw out of during the game against BC. Is a middle of the road offensive line is going to have some good moments and some bad. Um, I don't know if that's going to change. Certainly, you feel like Joe Rudolph is the guy that could do it over the course of a 12-game season. Um, but another thing to watch uh, in, in terms of whether they can play well enough. You know, we, we talked, we're talking about like X struggles in the passing game and with the wide receiver position, and whether they're going to be able to throw the ball well enough if they can't run the ball well enough because the offensive line isn't good at run blocking, that's going to catch up to them at some point. Looking around the ACC right now, a couple of surprising results. Number one, Duke beating Northwestern, which over three and a half is a lock. I knew it before the Nebraska game was completed. I thought maybe I was putting a little more meaning on beating Northwestern before I realized that Nebraska is capable of losing to Georgia Southern at home. Uh, But I mean, Duke is a Kansas win away from another Non-defeated Power Five non-conference season. Is that two and O Kansas against two and O Duke coming up? 
Does Duke have anyone sandwiched in there? Let's see. I think they played in C. North Carolina A&T. Yeah. So it'll be 3-0 Kansas versus 3-0 Duke. Who's Kansas play this week? See, uh, they play Houston. Uh, oh, never mind. Might be. <laughs> never mind. But do you think Duke is maybe better than we thought? Uh, I wouldn't go that far either. I'm not, I'm not going very far on anything tonight. Um, they played Temple and Northwestern, so I would be surprised. Um, what is what do they got? I mean. NCA and T Kansas and then UVA and Georgia Tech. UVA got stomped by Illinois. They might. Are we looking at six and O Duke? Is that on the table? I don't know. I mean, if they got a long way to go, and they're definitely one of the programs that's gonna like lose a. They'll probably lose this week. Okay, but how? Because how much stock are you putting in the UVA only putting up three points against Illinois though? Like Illinois's got good defense. UVA didn't have their way with Richmond, and then they could only put up three against Illinois. UVA is the same boat as uh, Boston College, aren't they? They were replacing an entire offensive line. They have a really good quarterback and talent at wide receiver. But it doesn't matter if you don't have an offensive line. You can't move the ball. You can't, you're just in an inefficient offense. Boston College is doing the same thing. Um, so they're kind of in the same boat there. They can't. If you can't block, that's what we we talked about it all offseason. Virginia Tech loses one person on the offensive line. If they lose Janzy, and all of a sudden they're playing Xavier Chaplin, who's not ready, and Jesse Hansen at left on the left side, and the offensive line struggles. Like Boston College is all hell in a hand You're gonna you're not gonna be able to move the ball no matter how good your quarterback is, and I know how many like how much talent you have at wide receiver. So I would definitely be concerned there. That's a problem. <laughs> so, Doug, we're going into the Wofford game. Obviously, this is a Wofford team that uh, I can't wait to read your full preview on because I'm sure it's going to be uh, full of excitement. But what are you specifically looking for in this game? Is there any position group, any player that you know you really feel like you need to cue in on? For Wofford or Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech. Anybody? I mean, do you, can you name a player on Wofford yet? Have you done the research? Al Hogan is a center. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Michael Mason is a defensive end. He's, he was an all-conference all conf, all preseason pick, but we could talk about that more in a little bit. Um, for Virginia Tech, the number one thing I think I'm looking for is offensively. Number one, in general, they've got to get the starters out as early as possible. They play West Virginia five days later. Um, you certainly don't want a full game snaps full game of snaps for them to recover from and get ready. Like you can get, you know, guys like Janzy and, and Dax Hollyfield, Chamari Connor. I would be hesitant to play them at all, but I think probably will probably do that. Like so important for Virginia Tech to go up 14, nothing after two possessions in this game, get those guys out. Um, I think you want a mixture of your offensive line. I think you want to mix up the first and second stringers a little bit for a series or two. Um, I think they would love to have some success run blocking, which they showed against a smaller um, Walford front. Uh, Chattanooga's running back in the first game of the year ran for 156 yards against against this this Walford defense. So 
the running lanes are going to be there. I think they would love to have some success running the football as a group and get everybody out. That's like you can if you can go five days is a tough turnaround, but if you if your first and second stringers only played uh, twenty snaps tops, like that's that's a big thing. And so that so then you're looking at the second and third stringers, maybe even the fourth stringers is the guys like they'll be getting their first reps getting their first extended action and be out there making their first mistakes. And um, I think it's a big, big opportunity for a lot of guys. Christian Moss is a guy at wide receiver that played a little bit against BC. That's a big opportunity for him. I think Daquan Wright at tight end hasn't played very much. Certainly chat, chap, David, your chaplain and um, like Meadows on the off line, the two defensive ends, Burgos and, the other one that they had in the first depth chart. Moisten, Kyrie Moisten, those are two young defensive ends that are the third string defensive end according to the depth chart. Great opportunity for them. So, you know, those are kind of the those are the big storylines for Virginia Tech is get up big early, get a little bit of experience for those like first and second teamers playing together that are you know, still, especially on the offensive line, like if Braylon Moore is healthy, he should play next to Silas Janzi for a series before they get Janzi out of the game. Um, and, then, and then it's the second, third, and fourth stringers that, you know, you, you've got four games four games under the redshirt rule to play with. This is the one to take advantage of it and try and get as many guys, some reps, some dip your toes in the water. And so those are the big things for Green Tech. I think it's a glorified scrimmage. Uh, Wofford hasn't scored a point all year. They've lost 11 games in a row. Played four quarterbacks and four left tackles last year, and they're on. They played two quarterbacks so far this year. Just uh, they they hired 10 new assistant coaches this off season, so it's just a program and a struggle. And they used to be a really good FCS program, but struggle in the last two years. So Virginia Tech just needs to come out and take care of business and let a bunch of other players play. Indeed. Indeed, Doug. So do you have a score prediction for us? Uh, sure. I'll go uh, 45 to three. I don't think I'll give Walford. I think they're going to score their first touchdown of the game. 45 to seven. Um, you know, I, don't see Tech's offense being all that explosive, especially if they start working in a bunch of young players and all that stuff. Um, Walford's, Walford's head, head coach used to be the defensive coordinator at Pitt. Um, he's feeling, according to his coaching show, he's feeling really good about where the where his defense is. Um, but maybe that's the side of the ball that plays the best for Walford and you know keeps Tech under 50. But offensively, they're 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 struggling. When was the last time Tech really blew out an FCS team, though? 2018, 2017. Is it William and Mary in 2018 or 20, whenever that was? I guess because they almost lost to Furman. Then 2020, they didn't play anybody from the FCS. Yeah, and then they struggled last year they struggled Island. against Richmond. 
They struggled with. Uh, oh yeah, oh, they, they had two FCS teams that year. Yeah. They struggled with Rhode Island, and they've also struggled with Furman. I know, dude. Was, wasn't Furman who they were losing fourteen to three? Yeah, to Furman. Half-time? They were losing at halftime, but because they canceled the ECU series, so they had to add in the Rhode Island game. Yeah. And then they almost struggled against. Realistically, could have lost to both. Furman they, and Rhode Island, yeah. And then they'll yep. the twenty nineteen season, man. That was. <laughs> 2018, they beat William and Mary 62 to 17. Those are decent FCS programs. Like I think William and Mary was pretty bad in tech, but like Furman and Rhode Island, they had was it Rhode Island's wide receivers were really good that year. And the, and, and Furman had a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean but this is like I do recall this might be the worst FCS team Virginia Tech has faced in a long time. Like somebody, I said that on the board today, and somebody said Florida A&M in 2004. I didn't look into it, but that sounds like believable to me. (laughs) (laughs) My brain is telling me Austin Pay was pretty bad in 2012 when Tech played them, but they haven't scored a point since last year. They lost 11 in a row. Um, They, you know, they placed the entire coaching staff basically. It has not gone well. But they had their Frank Beamer there for 30 years with their Bud Foster as an offensive coordinator. They, they had the same offensive coordinator for 31 years, including uh, including a couple years after the head coach, the legendary head coach, retired. And they used to run triple option. They used to run the ball 50-plus times a game. New head coach took over, kept the triple option for a couple years, then got his, and then that offensive coordinator finally retired, Bud Foster. Now they've been changing to a more spread a spread offense, and it hasn't gone well. They hired Sean Watson, who was an offensive coordinator at Nebraska and Texas and Pittsburgh, a um, bunch of P5 schools, and they're trying like a West Coast spread attack, and not working. Okay, we got like two extra minutes here, so I'll make you make some picks. Miami playing Texas A&M. Texas A&M coming off their loss at home to App State. Who do you got in that one? I think you got to go Miami. Texas A&M is still in Vegas. Five and a half point favorites. What's the over under on that? Over under 48 and a half. Like A&M's offense is brutal. UVA minus nine and a half at home against Old Dominion. Uh, UVA covers. And then Louisville, Florida State. Florida State two point favorites at Louisville. Yeah, I think... I think Florida State. I think that's a that's a great uh, schedule set up there to play Duquesne, figure out how to beat LSU, and then get a week off to kind of reset and come down off that high and get back to work. Louisville was you know, they were in a dogfight. <laughs> Scott Satterfield was on the ropes if he opened 0 and 2, and then they got a big win at UCF. So that is that a is that Saturday? That was. They played UCF on Friday, but do they play Florida State on is that a Saturday night game? It feels it feels like it should be a Friday night game to see. No, it's a Friday night game. Is it correct? Louisville has two straight Friday night games. Thanks, but I like Florida State there. All right, and then can Syracuse beat Purdue and go to three and zero? Are we talking about three and zero Duke and three and zero Syracuse? What a world we live in. Hashtag go ACC. Did, did Purdue 
win their game. Then they they lost to Penn State, right? And then and then week two was Indiana State. Oh. 56 nothing. Is it at whatever Syracuse's stadium is called now? Yep, the JMA Wireless Dome. It's Good luck getting people to come back. I think they're going three and zero. All right. Especially if Purdue keeps throwing the ball as much as they did against Penn State. What do you think is going to happen in the game against Wolf? I, I pretty much what you're saying. I mean, I haven't dove deep enough. I worry. I, I just don't know how bad these guys really are. I haven't taken the time to do the extensive research that you have on Wofford. So it's hard for me to truly form an opinion. I still don't think that highly of Virginia Tech's offense, but I mean, if these guys are like a high school team out there, D2. They're a little better than a high school, but. <laughs> and, you know, Chattanooga and Elon are good FCS, decent FCS. Chattanooga's good. They were ranked in the top 15, but Elon's decent. But, and then, yeah. All right, so let, then let me ask you this. I'll stay in the host chair here. What young offensive and defensive player are you excited to watch get some action on Saturday? Offensively, you know, Xavier Chaplin's a big one. Uh, Bryce Duke, I'd like to see some Bryce Duke. All the backup quarterbacks. All of them. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be interesting. I mean, all I've seen of Jason Brown since South Carolina was the spring game. So can he go out there and sling it? Because, I mean, that puts Virginia Tech at like somewhat of an advantage. It's not like you're going right to Knox Kadem after you take sure. Grant Wells out. Sure. So the offensive firepower could uh, could continue there. And then, you know, does Taj Bullock get any playing time uh, behind Farrell now? Because Farrell's listed ahead of him. Who knows? And then Bryce Duke, Kenji Christian, Gunnar Givens on the defensive side of the ball. What does he look like? You know, rumor has it he's been struggling a little bit. You know, as the two four seven guys, we know our our backups from recently. <laughs> and uh, you know, Brody Meadows, he gonna be any good? Again, all these guys are apparently. Not ready to see the limelight just yet, which is not surprising. It's certainly been a it, top-heavy depth chart so far. Yeah, so this is where I you... Mean, Silas Chansey was in the game in the rain in the late in the fourth quarter, up 17 points. The game was in hand. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder. But, I mean, that's all I'm looking for. Like, are these guys at least ready enough that the game... They never allow Wofford back into the game. That's my question. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. All right, Doug, VT Scoop 247. I guess we'll be back with Evan on Wednesday for a recruiting update. At least I'll be back with Evan. Uh, but what do you get? People got to look forward to this week from you. Uh, just doing my game preview as best I can this week. It's a lot more challenging. And the games aren't available on YouTube, readily available they are for most ACC games it's, <laughs> it's fair it's tough um but they they do have Walford is doing nice little 15 minute coaches shows that they post on YouTube if you're really that interested and you want to hear from Walford's head coach and, and then there's some extended Chattanooga highlights as well I haven't found the Elon game yet but uh, yeah <laughs> that's that's what I got VT scoop 247 inside the tunnel I'll talk to you soon. As always, go Hokies.